pretty excited about our birthday party next week. So we, we rented out Skateville. It's just going to be us. Feel free to bring friends with you. We're going to have cake. Uh, the concession stands will be open. So from 4 to 6, we encourage you to bring some friends with you. It's just going to be a fun time for us to celebrate. It's hard to believe that Homestead is three years old. Um, so it's, it's something to celebrate, all that God has done. And we love our church family, so we want to invite you to celebrate with us. And young adults, that I'm going to leave it to you to define if you find yourself as a young adult. So, you know, some of you might be like, do I, do I fit in that? Maybe 20s, maybe singles, whatever you want to do. Uh, we are excited. We have a number of young adults in our church, and we would love to start to see you guys get connected. So make sure that you think about join, joining um, the young adults group after for, for that. And one final announcement. Um, we are in the middle, we're right in the middle of a project that we are doing together as a church in memorizing some scripture. And so we have been as a church memorizing Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Is that right? 15 through 23. And we have a little contest going. So we have the kids learning it up in kids' church. Um, they are a team. The youth have been working on it. And I think right now the youth are kind of kicking all of our booties a little bit in memorizing. And then we have a women's team and a men's team. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but I think the guys are really coming up the rear there. So challenge, gauntlet thrown down. We are going until Easter. So if you take the time, we have cards out there with the scripture memory on them. Take some time to memorize scripture. Um, the team that has the most people do it gets a pretty awesome trophy. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. But more importantly, we truly believe that the word of God inside of us is one of the best things that we can do to grow closer in our walk with Christ, to grow um, in, in um, confidence, peace of mind, all of those things. And so we are encouraging everybody to join with us in memorizing that scripture. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to dive into our series. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, um, that it is a, truly a lamp for our feet, a light to our path. It is truth for us. And as we look into your word today about joy and happiness, Lord, I just pray that there would be something that would grow inside of each one of us today to desire to have the part of your character that is filled with light and hope and goodness. We want to be more like you in every way. And so I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, illuminate your word, show us how we can grow in this area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are starting a new series this week called Happy. So I have a question for you. Who is the happiest person you know? Who? Your animals? Yes! That is a good, yes. Every husband in the place, you should be going, you, honey, of course, I would pick you. But think about it for a second. Who is the happiest person that you know? Maybe it's somebody that you went to high school with. Maybe it's somebody that you are married to. Maybe it's someone, one of your children. Our Dottie, we call Dottie, um, she is our 10-year-old, we call her Sunshine and Rainbows because she's just always happy. She just kind of always you know, even if, even if somebody's picking on her, she just kind of like doesn't even get it. She's just like, oh, they must just really like me. <laughs> That's why she's just always, always very happy. So what characteristics, when you think of that person, make you think that they're a happy person? You can throw out a few ideas. It's low-key here. What makes somebody happy? Smiling. What else? Laughing. Positive, Positive attitude. Carefree. Any other thoughts? Bubbly. Oh, yes. Bubbly. Loving. That's a very good one. Yes. I had friendly, smiling, outgoing, someone who loves to laugh, someone who's positive. 
who seems to always kind of look at things as um, has a positive outlook on things. So I pulled up some stats on happiness, and I found a few interesting facts. So the Harris Poll is a poll that puts a single number on mood of people in America, and results from that poll in 2016 revealed that American happiness is down slightly. The new happiness index number is 31. Now that is 31 out of 100. So that is what they are gauging is the happiness of our country. That, mer uh, that number, which is out of 100, was at 34 in 2015 and has hovered in the low to mid-30s since Harris began calculating this poll in 2008. But do you want to hear some of the breakdowns as to who are the happiest among those people? Women are happier than men. Are we shocked? No. Okay. Oh, you guys really make me work for happy today. Okay. People whose annual income is between 50000 and 74000 are happier than people who earn between 75000 and 100000 So lower, price, lower income, but they are happier. Interesting. Um, people with a college degree are happier than those without. The, guess which region of the country is the happiest? Can you guess? The South. You're right. You got it. Or maybe they just smile more. Maybe that's why they appear happier. Um, 65 plus is the happiest age group. Any 65 plusers? <laughs> Woo! They are the happiest age group. Yes. Married people are generally happier than unmarried. This I thought was interesting. Have a ch having a child under the age of 18 in one's household makes no difference at all in your level of happiness. We get happy when they move out. Is that what it's saying? But I thought that that would be a big, big indicator. But I think if you have a child under 18 in your house, you have a lot of other things you're dealing with. So maybe it just balances each other out, the joy that they bring us and the headaches that they bring us. So, um, And also, people who are registered to vote are happier, and people who live in the suburbs tend to be happier than other people. So, And this I find very interesting. The website Happify.com gave three ages in which people are the happiest. 33, 55, and your 70s. What do these numbers have in common? Psychologists suspect that the 33-year-olds scored big because it's a time when people have energy, wisdom, and money all at the same time. Isn't that funny? Earlier in your life, you might have two of those three, and later in your life, you might have two of those three, but 33 is the place where you have some energy, some wisdom, and finances to do some things. Um, another study found that people in their mid-50s tend to smile the most. And another study found that people's happiness is lowest around 44, which I find ironic because I turned 44 while we're going to be in the series. So it's, we're going to go up from there. But it starts to build. It's the lowest at 44, but it gradually builds until it peaks in your 70s. And the moral of these ages, of these contradictory facts, is that there's no such thing as the happiest age. Although many scientists agree that in general, we do get happier with age. So that is, that is a good thing. Um, so for me, this began kind of the beginning of the year. I always pray and kind of ask God for a theme for my year. And this year, my prayer and where I felt God challenging the most in is this is a year that I was praying for more joy in my life. I was praying, God, this is something that I want to see grow in my life. And so I ordered a bunch of books, and I started studying a bunch of scriptures. 
And what was interesting as I began to meditate and study and read on the idea of being more joyful, another word kept popping into my mind, happy. Happy, not just joyful, but happy. So sometimes I think happy conjures up different ideas than joyful does, right? So when you think of the word happy, I think we can think of maybe pigtails and smiles and skipping and unicorn and rainbows. I was, now since I've been studying it and thinking about it, I was at Target the other day and I saw a woman and her little girl walking out of Target and they started skipping through the parking lot. And I was like, happy, there's happy. We, we might think of happy a little differently than we do of joy. And so I want to give us a little bit of, of background as to what happy even really means. Stanford University's Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education, that's a mouthful, defines happiness as a state of heightened positive emotion. Happiness is a state of heightened positive emotion. And this is what they say about being happy. Happiness has a profound positive effect on our professional and personal lives. It increases our emotional and social intelligence, it boosts our productivity, and it heightens our influence over peers and colleagues. These are the very ingredients that allow us to be successful without having to sacrifice our health and psychological well-being. I thought that was such an interesting statement because it says that it makes us more productive and more healthy in our emotions. It makes us more productive and healthy in our professional lives. And it's a healthy way of getting all those things. Instead of overworking and driving and stepping on everybody, this is that happiness is a way to grow, to have more energy and strength and grow in our lives in every area, but in a way that's really healthy for us to do so. I thought that was so interesting. Another psychologist suggested that happiness is a combination of how satisfied you are with your life and how good you feel on a day-to-day basis. So think of those two questions, how satisfied you are with your life and how good you feel on a day-to-day basis. Now, I would want to say this. I think happy's kind of gotten a bad rap. I think happy, especially in church circles, has maybe gotten a bad rap. So as I began to study, I was reading through all these old commentaries, and it was kind of funny to see the bent that um, I would find when I was reading these things, because um, a lot of theologians would say, yes, God wants us to be happy, but not too happy, right? Like, not too happy. Yes, God wants us to be joyful, But happiness, we have to be careful with. And so I think happy has gotten a bad rap. I think sometimes we're scared of happy because a lot of people um, associate happiness with indulgence of things that are not good for us or overindulgence of things. Well, I just want to be happy, so I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I think as church people, we have maybe shied away a little bit from happy and because it's a little scary. I think the idea of hedonism, people pursuing pleasure at all costs, I want to be happy, so I'm going to do whatever I want. It feels like happy can sometimes swing open a door so wide and it makes people think, well, I can do whatever I want. But that's not what we're talking about here today. The truth is, Happy is something that is talked about in Scripture. And we're going to look at a few Scriptures today that show us that. But I believe that happiness has gotten a bad rap. You know what? We have the best news in the whole wide world. We have the good news. We have hope. We have God on our side. He is fighting for us. We have so many things that are so amazing. It seems to me like Christians should be the happiest people in the world, right? 
We should be the happiest. We really should. And yet, if you were going to ask people, would you consider Christians the happiest people on earth, I wonder what the answer would be. I think a lot of people might look at us and say, well, I don't know. You seem kind of grabby. You seem like easily offended. You seem like there's always something that you're a little ticked off about. I don't know that people would look at us and say, wow, so much joy, so happy. What a happy group of people. They're just fun to be around. They always seem to have a good perspective. Even in the hard things, they seem to have a good understanding that there is so much more than just those little things that get under our skin. I wonder what would happen if we became happier people? How that would show, you know, back in that definition, just by Stanford, that's not a Christian definition, that happier people exert way more influence over other people because people are drawn to that. We have the best news in the world, so we need to be happy. So where joy might feel weighty and spiritual, I have joy, right? Happy can seem like something flaky, It can seem like something that's just kind of something that Dottie has because she's young and doesn't know any better, right? But that's not true. There's a couple really good resources that I've been reading by Christian authors. One is a book called Happiness by Randy Elkhorn, and he says this. He takes time to prove in his book that not only did God wire us for happiness, but that censoring our God-given desire to be happy is dangerous. When we say, well, I don't need to be happy, I'm joyful. I'm joyful on the inside. It just might not be showing on my face. When we do things like that, it does not do any good in us trying to show people the love of Christ. He says this in his book, the modern evangelical antipathy to happiness, it backfires when it portrays Christianity as being against what people long for most. It backfires us on us. So I had heard so many sermons where this was taught. Happiness is our happenings. And joy is in Jesus. Have you ever heard that before? And that is true. Happiness tends to be happenings. And joy comes from a place deep inside of us. Joy is what we have in the Lord. But this is what was happening in my own mind. Because of that statement, happiness is happenings, joy is Jesus, I was thinking the only way for me to ever be happy is if everything's going good. When my happenings all start to just be great, when my kids are all doing good, they want to go to school every morning, which hardly ever happens, (laughs) when everything's great, when the finances are overflowing, when everything's good, when I'm feeling inspired by my work, when I feel like everything's under control, when all of my happenings start to line up, then I'm going to be happy. I'm still waiting for that day to happen, right? Would you agree? And we have learned that There's hardly ever a time in your life where all your happenings are just great, right? I heard a a preacher, I think it was um, Rick Warren, one day said, you know, I had to stop and change my mindset. I used to think that it was like a train, and I would think, well, my life is going to be happy one day, and right now I'm on the sad day, but he would think of the train tracks. He said, I've decided that life is way more like a train track. There's always happy There's always good things happening, and at the same time, there's always challenges. Life is never going to be all great. It's never going to always be all horrible. But most of the time, we have a little bit of good and a little bit of bad going on all the time. And if we're waiting for all of our happenings to be great in order that we can feel happy, it feels like happiness is as elusive as a unicorn and a rainbow, right? It's something that we're never going to get to experience if we have to have everything perfect in order to be happy. I believe that not only does God want us to be filled with joy, 
which he does, and we're going to talk a lot about that. I believe he wants us to be happy. I believe he wants that outward expression of something really great that's going on inside of us to come out for people to see that in our attitudes, in our countenance, in our faces. Um, we tell a story at our house all the time because it's one of my favorites. Jeff and I, before we planted Homestead, we would go visit other churches and help out. And one day we were at a friend's church in Rochester, and we had done a service with their family. And we were going to go to a restaurant afterwards, and their son, he was probably eight or nine at the time. His name was Polly. And so Polly decided to ride to the restaurant with us. And so we're, we're riding, and I looked back in the rearview mirror, and Polly was sitting in, in his seat, and he looked like this. Just like that. So sad. And I was thinking, oh, maybe he's nervous because he doesn't know us that well. And I was like, Polly, are you okay? Are you, is something wrong? And he goes, Nope, that's just my face. <laughs> just my face. And so now we'll say, I'll tell you, is something wrong? Nope, it's just my face, right? And for some of us, our resting face is just a little crabby. And I think maybe we could work on our countenance just being more uplifting and encouraging and that people would see, hey, that joy that's on the inside it's coming outside too, and you can see it. It's not just hidden in there, but it's coming out, and it's something can, people can see. So what does the Bible say about happiness? Is happiness a spiritual thing? Do we find it in scriptures? The answer is yes. So there are 37 specific references to the word happy in the Old Testament, and 48 specific references to the word happy in the New Testament. But in addition to that, there are more than 2,700 passages in Scripture where terms related to happiness are used, such as gladness, merriment, pleasure, celebration, cheer, laughter, delight, jubilation, and feasting, over 2,700 times in the Bible. So this is something that is important to the heart of God. We know that if he put it in here, it was important to him that we take notice of that. And he talks a lot in the Bible about happiness. In the Old Testament, so the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and so when things were translated, sometimes you can, they could pick different words to translate scriptures. And so the word that means happiness in the Old Testament is esher. So it means happiness, blessedness, or it could be translated to how happy, okay? So I want to look at a couple scriptures and see how it changes when we change that word just a little bit. So Psalm 1-1, Charlie, you can put that up there. Psalm 1-1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So if you look at the beginning, verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys. That is that Hebrew word, esher. So let's see what happens if we change that translation to happy. Charlie, you can go to the next slide. How happy, that could be just as easily translated, and you'll find in some versions they do translate it that way. How happy are those who do not follow the advice of wicked, but delight in the laws of the Lord? How does that change in your mind? To Oh, the joys. Sounds very spiritual, right? But how happy are the people who choose to walk in the light of God's love? I love that. Let's look at another one. Right in the next psalm, Psalm 212. In the NIV version, it says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Again, a very spiritual word. Blessed are you, right? But what? That is that same Hebrew word, esher. Look at what happens when we change it. Happy are all who take refuge in him. Does that make a difference in how you view that scripture? How happy 
are those who take refuge in the Lord. Happiness comes over us. So that's an Old Testament version. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. We see a Greek word, because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. There's a Greek word called makarios, which means happy, blessed, happy, to be envied. So we see that in James chapter 1.12. It says that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Well, right at the beginning of verse 12, God blesses those is that Greek word makarios. So we could just as easily translate that to happy are those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive a a crown of righteousness. Actually, the Good News translation says it this way. Happy are those who remain faithful under trials. Because when they succeed in passing their test, they will receive as their reward the life which God has promised to those who love them. Happy are those who remain faithful even through hard times. And then probably my favorite verse that uses the Greek word makarios is found in 1 Timothy 1.11. And it says this, The teaching is found in the Gospels that was entrusted to me to announce the good news from the glorious, blessed God. Well, that word right at the end there, blessed God, is actually makarios, which could very easily be translated to happy God. Happy God, right? That teaching is found in the gospel that was entrusted to me to announce the good news from the glorious, happy God. Do you think of God as happy? Okay, (laughs) you should, because that is exactly what this scripture is saying. God is a happy God. God is makarios. He is happy. Um, Another book that I've been reading is a book by author Lisa Harper, and it's called The Sacrament of Happy. And the subtitle of her book, every time I read it, it just is so beautiful to me. The subtitle of the book is What a Smiling God Brings to a Wounded World. What a smiling God brings to a wounded world. Think about that. If people understood that God is smiling and happy and loves them and wants the best from them, what that would do to the hearts of people weighed down, broken, and troubled in their lives. I love the idea that God is a happy God. And if God is happy, that means that we can be happy. Our goal, if our goal is to be more like him, this is an important way in which we can grow. As I looked further at Makarios, that definition and commentary, another thing that I thought was so interesting is commentators said that Makarios means somebody gets that when God extends his benefits to them. It's the advantage that he confers on his people. It describes a believer in an enviable or fortunate position from receiving God's provisions. If you look at that, those words, it's our benefit. It's our advantage. It's a provision that God gives us. Happiness, his joy, that lightness in our spirit. Makarios is something that is a benefit to those of us that follow Christ. It's something that he says, hey, if you are my child, you get this. You get to have this in your life. You get to have makarios. You get to have happy. You get to have joy. You get to have blessing. Psalm 103 reminds us, praise the Lord, my soul. My inmost being, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He gives us things as his children, and one of the benefits of being a child of God is that we get to be happy. 
We get to enjoy life. We get to have joy in our souls. Happiness is an advantage or a benefit God gives to his children. So over the next few weeks as we are in this series, we're going to be talking a lot about practical ways that we can grow in happiness. We're going to talk a lot of details. We're going to talk a lot of things that we can do in our inner life and our outer life, things that have to do with our brain and chemicals and our health. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things, things that we can change in our attitudes in, in order to experience more happiness because the truth is we're not robots, right? God wants to give all of us happiness, but we have to participate. We have a part to play in that. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to get really practical about some of the things that we can do and learn some practices that can help us walk in happiness and to resist the pull towards negativity and cynicism. But the first thing that we have to get our heads around today is that happiness is absolutely possible for each and every one of us because it's something that God has promised to give us. It is our benefit. We have to get that in our spirit, that happiness is something that God wants to give you, that he wants to pour over your life, to pour over your family. It's an advantage of ours if we will lay hold to it. Now, it's true. We all go through hard times. Oh, my goodness. We go through hard times. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't times that our hearts are just broken. And happiness just is not in the cards. We're just trying to keep our heads above water. We're just trying to stay afloat. And happiness, you're thinking, I don't, I just want to survive. Happiness seems like something way out there. And that is, that is absolutely true. Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. So there are seasons of our life that happiness is just going to have to kind of be on the side for a little bit. But you know what? You can know that when you are hurting, there is a joy unspeakable that can come down somewhere deep in your heart that can fill you with something that you never thought was possible. And it might not come out on your face for a while, but there can be something deep down in your soul that you could go, you know what? Even in the hardest times, there are things that I can see the hand of God in. I know that he is working. There is a joy that comes with knowing that God has promised to never leave us, never forsake us. He's got us, even in the hardest times. So that's true. So if you were in a hard season, oh my goodness, I am praying for a joy that you cannot figure out where in the world it has come from to just come and flood your heart today and that you would know that God is watching over you and he is working in your situation. Even if you don't know how, there is joy for you. But you know what? I think outside of that, many of us have just gotten into the habit of being unhappy people. We've just gotten into the habit of being critical. We've just gotten into the habit of looking for the negative in a situation. Maybe you've come through a season of really hard stuff. You know, our family has gone through a lot of really hard stuff in the last few years, and I have to catch myself. That's part of why I feel like God was challenging me this year to come to a season of joy because we've come out of it. We've emerged, and yet it's still easy for me to wake up in the morning and go, what's, we're gonna be, what's wrong today? Is everybody okay? What's going to be happening? And sometimes when you've come out of something difficult, maybe you've lost somebody and that grief seems to keep following you. And God is saying, you know what? It's time to step into a new season. One of my favorite scriptures, I think it's in Isaiah 40, says he's speaking to Israel and he says, tell her her sad days are over. Tell her her sad days are over and her sins are forgiven. There comes a time when your sad days need to be over. 
And for some of you, God is saying to you, you know what? I know you went through a really hard time, but now it's time to step into a new season. I have so much more for you. If you will just trust me and open up your heart and receive the joy that I have for you, I will meet you right there. So I have a new definition of happiness for us. I have a definition definition that as we're talking over the next few weeks, this is what I want you to remember about happiness. Happiness is an outward expression of inward joy. Happiness is an outward expression of inward joy, okay? So joy is that fountain in us. Joy is what God gives us in the depths. And so some of you might, might be thinking, okay, I don't have any joy in my soul. I don't have any joy in there. And so that's where we're going to start with. God, fill me with your joy. Some of you might be thinking, you know what? I got, there's some joy in the inside, and we're going to work on it coming out on your face, okay? (laughs) We're going to work about, there is joy in there, but how do I get it to come out in my life? How do I get that to come out in my words and my actions that I could be a happier person, a more joyful person on the outside? So happiness is an outward expression of the inward joy that's going on inside of you. Joy is that fountain, and happiness is the overflow of what's going on deep inside of us. Happiness is that overflowing from our hearts that comes out into our countenance. And if there is no happiness overflowing on the outside, then I would guess that maybe there's not very much joy going on on the inside. And that's where we're going to start today, by asking God to fill us with joy. There's a verse in Galatians chapter 4 that I want every person in this place to ask yourself this question today. Galatians 4.15 Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and he asks them a question. What has happened to your joy? It's a good question to ask. And you might say, it's right there. I am joyful. I feel really good about stuff. I'm feeling positive about things. But for some of you today, that's a really good question to take before God this week as you pray and read the scriptures. God, what has happened to my joy? Where did I lose this along the way? Was it in a tough season? Was it somewhere that I just got caught up in negativity and and criticism or I just decided that sarcasm was going to just be my thing and now I find myself just kind of always crabby about everything? Where, what happened to your joy? Where did it go? Where did you lose it? I want you to take the time to maybe trace it back. When was the last time that you felt joyful? When was the last time that you felt happy? When was the last time that you asked God to fill you with his joy? You know, maybe you're just tired and exhausted. You're just kind of, you know, we have a lot of young parents in this church. I get it. Man, I think about those times when my kids were not sleeping at all, and I don't think I had much joy in that season other than that's why that stat was that way, because you're tired. And so sometimes joy can feel like an elusive thing, but I believe that it's something that God wants each and every one of us as his followers to have. And joy is a gift that's given to us by God. You don't have to try and manufacture it. You don't have to try and come up with it on your own. You don't have, I had a girlfriend in high school that had the kind of, she would always just walk around and go, everything's wonderful. And you'd be like, you failed that test. I know, but it's just fine. And it was like, I don't think this feels like authentic and real. And she would be like, it's just, I'm going to sprinkle happy dust on you all. And I remember being like, I don't want your happy dust. I don't know. It feels weird. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you manufacturing fake things or being like, you know what, (laughs) it's fine, everybody's falling apart, but look at me, I'm so happy. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm talking about a real God-given deep joy inside of us. 
a joy that goes beyond our circumstances, a joy that comes from the hand of the happy God that he pours into us, and that as he begins to fill and fill and fill and fill us, what happens? It begins to overflow, just like a cup. If I was to pour in a cup today, and I just kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, eventually it's going to spill out. And that's what we are asking God, is to fill us with so much joy that eventually that happiness becomes evident on the outside of what God is doing on the inside. Angela Thomas wrote a devotional book called Choosing Joy, and she wrote this. She said, honestly, I couldn't remember the last time I asked God to fill me with joy or to create a joyful spirit in my children. Goodness knows I'd asked for peace, I'd asked for sanity, I'd asked for obedience, I've prayed for healing and wisdom, I worshiped the Lord and I'd studied his word. But joy, how in the world did I forget about the beautiful, good, and pleasing gift of joy? So what if today we ask Jesus for the gift of joy to fill our hearts and minds despite our circumstances and that it would overflow into our attitudes and countenances? What if today that was the prayer that we asked God? That on our journey to be happy, the first thing that we would do is to receive the joy that God has for us. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Contemporary English version says that same verse in this way. I pray that God, who gives hope, will bless you with complete happiness and peace because of your faith. And may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. God will fill you with joy. Another great verse is John 16, 24. It says, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. The word tells us many times we have not because why? We ask not. And so we need to stop and say, ask. God wants to pour out his joy on us, but we have to ask him. So we can ask Jesus to fill us with his joy, and he has promised to do it. With all my heart, with all my heart, I believe that Jesus can fill you with his joy. He can transform your life. He can transform your attitude. He can transform your countenance, and he can bring such a sense of joy. No matter what your circumstances look like, he will pour out his joy on us, and it will eventually bubble over into happiness. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up today. So just like Paul asked the church in Galatians, what has happened to all your joy? What has happened to your joy? Is that something that today God would say, it's time. It's time to ask me for more of this. It's time to step out. Your sad days are over. It's time to step into a season of happiness and joy. Jesus, we come to you and we pray like David did in Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, there are people here today that have lost their joy somewhere along the line. And I thank you that you are the restorer of joy. You bring it back. You give it to us. And Lord, maybe there are people here today that don't have a relationship with you. Today, I pray that this would be the beginning of a new relationship that they have with you, Jesus, knowing that you are the God who loves them so much. 
You sent your son to die for them. And you so want to come into their life and to fill their hearts with joy, but they have to open up their hearts to you. I pray that today, if there's someone in this place that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today would be the day that they open up their hearts and they say, God, I need you in my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want to grow in my relationship with you. And that, God, you would thank you that you would come and fill them to overflowing with your love and your peace. And that today would be the day that they make you Lord of their life. And, Lord, I pray to, for those in this place today that's, that have heavy hearts. And, Lord, it's not, you know, it's not trite. We go through hard stuff in life. And Jesus, you are the only one that can help us navigate all of those really difficult places. But I know that you desire for your children to be filled with the happiness that you have. And so we are asking today, Lord, that you would pour out your joy in deep into the hearts of every person here. Maybe some of them are bone dry. And I pray that today you would just begin filling them to overflowing with your joy. Maybe there are some that have a little bit of happy, joy, but it hasn't spilled over into their countenance and attitude. I pray that today, God, you would just begin to overflow, pour more of your joy deep down into their spirits so that it would overflow. Lord, we want to be people that others would look at and say, man, I want what they've got, that joy, that kindness, that positivity, Lord. I thank you that that can be a light to those we meet. So I pray that this week you would challenge us to have a smile on our face, to care for people, to listen to people, to have a positive attitude, to be the person in the meeting that says, I think we can do this. I believe in you instead of being the negative one. Lord, I just pray that we would all grow in this area and that we would be happy people who worship a happy God. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. And everybody together said... Amen.